Welcome to Startups Simplified, Rishabh. Thank you, Vipin. How are you doing? Good to meet you. I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, Chief, as well. Great. So, how are you doing? All, all well. Uh, overall, how are things? Yeah. So it, it, it was a tough uh, three and a half, four months. Um, you know, winding down a company uh, is uh, is is not easy. Both in terms of uh, the paperwork associated with it and the emotional turmoil sure. that goes along with it, so I've kept myself uh, a bit motivated. Uh, started to work out again, um, and and uh, uh, you know I have a six-month-old baby, so nice. uh, that uh, that is a good distraction. Good, good enough motivation good out enough there. Motivation and distraction from uh, the negative energy that surrounded me. Sure. Um, but it was it was an extremely difficult time where um we had to or personally i have to um i had to kind of you know communicate that decision to all our investors all our employees um our customers our kitchen partners um and the entire ecosystem associated with it uh so that was the difficult part and then i think the most difficult part around this was accepting it internally inside of me that oh uh this is not going to work and i need to stop now because as an entrepreneur you you try your best to keep finding alternative paths to you know um keep surviving keep fighting and stuff like that sure um but at some point of time you know you need to take a uh overall assessment and say is it worth doing uh, are these efforts worth putting in sure uh and how would the outcome look like so based on uh like yeah so it's 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 never easy to accept that you have failed that is true that is true. so <laughs> once you accept that you want to shut it down and then that means it's an in, in very it's 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 an indirect way to tell you that you have failed and no matter how many lessons that we have learned around failure that you know failures are good they are teachers etc but it also feels very bad <laughs> well, i mean it's, it's human <laughs> yeah it's uh, human exactly that's what makes us human so So yeah, I've been holding up well. The last um, last three months have been difficult, but uh, yeah, all good. And now I'm uh, uh, um, back upbeat, um, nice. and I'm slowly gravitating towards the next thing that I'm planning to do. Sure, sure. Um, and yeah, let's let's expand on the lessons and what's next gradually in our conversation. But just just to just to give an idea to to our to our listeners. let's let's run through your background as such right uh, let's start from the very beginning i mean where did you grow up so i was born in rajasthan in a city called jodhpur nice and my family belongs from uh, that city sure and a uh, couple of years after i was born uh, right even before going to school I, my my father got transferred Uh, to a city called Udaipur. My father worked uh, for about thirty-five years in an insurance company, general insurance. Sure. Uh, and uh, uh, he retired about eight years back. Um, so I I grew up in Udaipur until my schooling uh, schooling days, and then 
just like any other Indian boy, um, I did engineering. <laughs> I mean, uh, were you aspiring to become an engineer or was it like, okay, everyone's doing engineering, it has great prospects, let's do it? I had no clues, but I had a sister who was seven years, who was seven years elder to me. And she did CACS, Child Accountancy Company Secretary. Mm-hmm. And she used to study a lot and I felt I cannot do this. Okay. So I would rather go for science. Okay. And that's all, like, I, I, I took science as a major in uh, the senior high school. Uh, and then once you kind of, you know, get get into that group group where people are preparing, etc. Then there is more education about, okay, what kind of colleges exist, or if you don't go get into an IIT, then, you know, mm-hmm. it's not worth it. So you need to prepare extremely hard. Um, you need to get into, like, you know, at least the top 10 colleges in India. Otherwise, you know, it's like there are tons of people doing engineering yeah. and stuff like that. So, yeah. so you, you start to understand more and more about it while you are living that, uh, those two years of preparation. Mm-hmm. So I did that and uh, then I moved to Delhi for my engineering. I uh, did my engineering from Delhi College of Engineering. Um, I was very fortunate to be um, uh, admitted into one of the premier colleges in India. It's amongst the top five um, or top six colleges, engineering colleges in India. Sure. Uh, but I was the last to get in, in that college. Okay. So I was probably the last guy to get in. I, my branch was civil, so I was, uh, I was amongst the last last people to yeah, get in. Sure, so sure. I, I, I wasn't... Um, were, were you good, good, good engineering student? No, I was terrible at it. So, uh, I... Practically, I did my engineering in two years. So, the first two years, I got tons of KTs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last two years, I spent clearing all of them and clearing the normal papers. So well, I mean, we have we have that in common. I have done my three years of diploma in electronics in five years. Okay. <laughs> so, I did four years of engineering in four years. But for the first two years, I did nothing. Uh, but I did a lot of other things in college. So, I... I I I got into student politics. I was uh, I, I I was uh, I, I I in the first second year I became my hostel president, then I became president of my uh, cultural society that I was heading, um, and then uh, I I was also uh, uh, general secretaries uh, of my uh, of my college when I was in fourth year. True. So I got into all of that stuff. So I was into a lot of I was into organizing events, figuring out. And mine was a government college, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had tons of bureaucracy. So if you were to organize an event, then there's a file that you get that your student um, advisor, the teacher needs to sign. And then it goes all the way from that teacher to the director of the college, to the accounts department. Then the check is released. Then you are able to spend that, that money. Does this still exist? Yeah, this would still exist, I would say. Okay. Uh, and 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 so I learned like how the Indian government bureaucracy works, how to take money out of the system, hmm. uh, how to organize an event uh, and all of that stuff. And during the last two years, uh, the pressure was so high uh, to finish it in four years that... Uh, 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 so so I, I learned everything else apart from engineering and then... <laughs> you uh, learned life skills. I, I literally learned lifestyle, life skills on how to get work done out of people who give zero shit about you, right? Uh, the accounts department, the finance department, the college, or the dean, or 
you know they don't care about you they don't care about no. the, the festival that you're trying to organize or whatever it is but how do you then get them to be motivated and how how do you keep them happy so that they allow you to do it uh and uh the most important lesson that i learned probably was managing other people's money um so uh while we are in college we are used to manage let's say our pocket money our expenses but i also learned how to manage you know um lakhs of rupees uh, uh, to organize that event and make sure that the event goes well and so on and so forth or um uh, to make sure that the next few batches who come in gain something out of um the equipment that we are buying and so on and so forth so it's, it's a massive skill in hindsight the skill which which was which was used to manage the millions which are raised in funding gradually exactly so i think i think that started uh for me in college um and then came uh placements time and one of the lessons that i learned during that time was so i was probably i was not the best of students uh so it was very normal for me to get placed at the end of the season mm-hmm. so i used to go to the um uh, the the placement department where the interviews would happen or or the written test would happen and every day you know in 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 suit and tie all decked up in the morning you go you write a test you fail or i fail and i come back while mm. my other friends are still there waiting for the turn for interview and stuff like that and every day i'm coming back um for for about 4 or 5 months um and and so so so, so there's like constant rejection 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 you get like tons of rejections every day so i i i figured out how to enjoy it how to how to how to have a brave face because my other friend would get place and you need to be happy for him and you need sure. to party and you need to drink and all of that stuff Correct. while you yourself feel extremely bad about it hmm. um so i learned those lessons in life and then eventually you get placed and so i i got placed in my college and i never took that job hmm. uh it was a core civil engineering job which i was so scared to take ethically because i knew it could kill people like if i design something and it doesn't work <laughs> which 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 is highly probable which is which is yeah which is highly probable uh but i got to know after that that you know most of my friends who went into those jobs did not know anything either because what they teach us is not used anymore so the computer softwares who make no mistakes and stuff like that so you you basically manage people as an engineer you manage uh the diploma holders and stuff like that so uh <laughs> but it's a great thing hmm. that i did not take that job up and my first job was of a game designer game designer yeah so i used to make com- computer games for kids for an edtech company okay uh, when was this, this which year 2009 okay and this is a time where there were phones but there was 2g hmm there was definitely no payment infrastructure true uh there was no data there were pcs there was internet internet was slow um so the games that we were making were console based games that could run on cds mm-hmm. uh a game designer essentially is a product manager in a gaming company sure so what you do is that you figure out a broad storyline of the game mm mm-hmm. and then you work with the engineers to get the mechanics of it work with the designers to get the storyboarding out of it and so on mm. so and get and deliver the game back to the business sure. now the the thing that we were trying to do is build role playing games for kids between 6th standard and 12th standard uh one subject one game 
essentially. Sure. Uh, so five subjects means five games for a class. Hmm. And those are role playing games. These are big, like large games. So a student would take about two to three months to finish them. Hmm. But once the student finishes those games, he would know everything about that subject. Sure. So it was it was that immersive. Uh, that was very interesting, but it was extremely pain taking because you cannot go wrong because once the CD goes into production, there's no no way to roll it back. Sure. So you have to be extremely precise, and that is where I got an eye for detail. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I did that for about year, year and a half, and then I moved to uh, another ed tech company, which is a listed public listed ed tech company in India, which is the largest ed tech company in India at that point of time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Educom, um, and Educom was uh, a company that provided smart class solutions to. Uh, to, to, to schools where rich kids used to go. Okay. So there would be a, like a projector, like a, a hi-fi projector. And at that for that time, it was pretty hi-fi. And mm-hmm. there would be like a server in every classroom that would have a hard disk. Uh, and every year, that hard disk would get updated with new content and stuff like that. Ooh. And they wanted to move from this to a cloud-based solution because cloud was a new thing then. Mm-hmm. So I was leading uh, a... A small startup in a big company, hmm. uh, and that that company was called Educomp Online, which was trying to build, bring students, parents, teachers, and school ecosystem, school administration online, mm-hmm. where students can learn things on the go on on their PCs, etc. At home, they could do homework, etc. Teachers can give them homework. Parents can track attendance. Mm-hmm. Parent teachers meeting uh, can happen online, and so on and so forth. So, uh, I was building something like that. Um, it was pretty interesting, uh, and uh, by by doing this, we were able to bring all of Educom's content that it had created in the last ten years on a cloud, so, but also give it a front end interface where they could also use it during the class inside the classroom, but also at home mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Which then paved way for the real e learning that we see today, uh, for example. Right. Um, so. Uh, I was probably in that e-learning 1.0 space. Um, then I moved to a financial services company, uh, and I was leading. Uh, this was a Sequoia-backed company. It's called Unicorn Investment Solutions. Uh, it was. Uh, I, I was leading two two portals for them. One was a real estate portal where you generate leads and then you sell property. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second one was something very similar to Zerodha, but of 2010 okay. or 11. Okay. So there was, it would take about 10 days to open a DMAT account. Hmm. There was no way to make any online payments. Correct. Uh, so it was a desktop application where you would click, click, click to buy a share. Hmm. Um, and there was there was like, you know, all the graphics that you usually see when people talk about share market, like the old... So the proper broking platform. It was a broking platform. It was it was called unicorndirect.com. It was something very similar to ICICI Direct, that, hmm. uh, ICICI Direct, which used to exist then. Sure. And which then became... Zerodha eventually yeah, yeah. evolving, um, like not ICC direct, but I mean the technology yeah, evolved yeah, yeah. and then became sure, sure. Zerodha. So it was it was extremely interest interesting. I did that for another year or something, and then I moved to the US. Uh, so I got uh, employed with a company called CareerBuilder.com. Okay, and I was. Uh, Is this a job? It's a job portal. It was a job. It was a job. Okay. Um, it was an HR tech company. It was a it was an old company. So I joined them in 2011. They were operating since 1990s. And uh, some leading newspapers like USA Today, Gannett, etc. owned 
startup ecosystem which was very nascent. This is 2015. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So the then startup ecosystem was extremely nascent. Let's say uh, for for Southeast Asia there was there was a small company called Gram operating in Malaysia at that point of time. Correct. Gojek operated as a call center. Hmm. There was also Tokopedia. There was also Bukalapak. But these were these were this was it. True. True. So so and there were like a few more smaller hmm. uh, companies. But uh, this was this was it. So for me, then my experience becomes extremely valuable for companies who would want to scale at that point of time. Correct. So and and I could play a much bigger role in that. And I just had this broad idea that hey, you know, for my own career growth, I need to do something. Okay. And also. you know being in a big large company i was 20 26 years old at the point of time hmm. so going through that corporate hierarchy is very taxing so um, i wanted to kind of break free of that hmm. being a young <laughs> hmm. uh person that i was i wanted to break free on that i wanted more decision making and so on and so forth but for amit and ashish hmm. um uh the co-founders of uh, red door red doors but then they were seasoned they were they were like seasoned executives they were working with make my trip um they had lived uh they had also lived that life of you know uh crazy growth of make my trip correct and they were early employees at make my trip and then um they became they they did the ipo and then ran the company post ipo so for them i guess the itch was more around you know i want to be my own boss and sure. probably this was a time they were they were they were late 40s they were in the late 40s so this was probably the make or break time in life for them where mm. they could do it and i think generally the startup ecosystem had started to flourish yeah. there were opportunities and people who like opportunities etc were slowly gra- uh, gravitating towards that ecosystem um be it be it a young person like me or my friends from that time or senior executives like Amit and Ashish yeah. and others that I know um, who, who who also started companies. So, I think it the the ecosystem was so vibrant and um, the opportunities were so big that it 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 gravitated people towards them. At the same point of time, it was way more difficult to start a company, and the initial. Um, initial pushback on starting the company was way bigger than what it is today pushback from uh pushback pushback from so, so it was very difficult to let's say um form a company things were not digital mm-hmm. uh, uh if you were to take money collect money online from customers uh bank transfers were not online it was only credit card payments were available we're talking 2016 over here right 2015 2015 yeah. okay so there was no there was no bank internet speeds were 3g hmm. uh um so it was very difficult to not only uh start a company yeah. and there were very few vcs back then um so so it was a difficult difficult uh, space to get in sure um and also it was a difficult business to scale because a lot of these technology upgrades that we see today did not exist at that point of time correct and hence the opportunity was immensely huge Correct. because whoever got in that ecosystem at that point of time mm-hmm. uh either made it big or learned or failed at the right time and made it big at the second attempt correct correct so i guess um i i think uh most of the mafias that we heard 
at this point of time like the gojek mafia or yeah. the grab mafia or um the bukala park mafia or hmm. you know uh, all of these companies they were all in that ecosystem who took leap of faith at that point of time okay. and now they have started companies those companies have become big those companies as employees or early employees have started other companies who have become bigger so that Correct. that keeps growing right true, true so that was probably a pivotal time in southeast asia's startup ecosystem where um companies like ours uh finacle i would say um uh pomelo um uh tons of tons of tons of other companies uh that i that i can remember um all of them had started during during that time and um what what was your role at red doors so i used to take care of uh so i was the chief operating officer uh so i was one of the one of the founding team members the chief operating officer uh, uh so when we came to southeast asia i was the first one to start the business here nice so amit and ashish had decided to start a company and then i came in and we started southeast asia so okay. before that there was uh uh a tech center in india sure so i used to take care of the business uh which means and that time if at that time it was majorly indonesia focused so it was only indonesia only indonesia right uh, this is 2015 we started with indonesia only jakarta one city okay then we started bandung and bali three cities hmm. and then uh we focused on bandung and started two three more cities and did not do bali for a while sure and then uh uh we just expanded and expanded yeah, 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 so i used to take care initially uh i used to take care of tons of other other stuff but mm-hmm. business majorly ashish used to take care of technology and amit used to take care of fundraising mm-hmm. um so i used to take care of pnl growth expansion and then later uh, uh once the business became bigger the, the you know uh, i would go launch a city market yeah uh, uh, uh then uh, country get a country head uh so the country had to report to me and so on and so forth but uh but it was it was it was an immaculate experience of building a company from zero to uh about 1500 employees yeah, i'm sure uh, and i mean launching different markets every market has their own cultural nuance out there absolutely there are so many things at play right i mean a vietnam is extremely different to what let's say an in indonesia is absolutely and the singapore is very different from indonesia indonesia or, yeah and more uh, philippines for that matter every market was moving and there are only a handful of companies who have succeeded in multiple markets correct so i mean they have tried they have tried to expand everybody has tried successfully i believe yeah everybody has tried to expand very few and uh, and you guys were against a very fierce competitor too Yeah, so we were amongst those very few companies who succeeded in multiple markets at the same point of time. Yeah, and it needed—I mean, we were very clear uh, in our head that it it needed an entrepreneur to entrepreneur fight. Hmm. Which means when other companies would expand, they would send their senior executives to go and launch a new market. Hmm. We did that too, but I used to spend tons of time in every market. Hmm. Um, so I was literally spending a week in Indonesia, a week in Philippines, a week in. Uh, Vietnam and a week in Singapore, mm-hmm. and I would do this continuously for about two, two and a half years. Literally living out of a suitcase. I was literally living out of a suitcase. I was based out of Singapore, but I hardly lived in Singapore. Hmm. Um, and then, uh, and I think I think it was our agility, it was our uh, passion, and the right people that we got. Sure. That made us win in every market uh, that we went to. I mean, everybody who 
who joined Red Doors, uh, and there are people who are still with Red Doors now. Sure. Um, from that time, everybody who joined Red Doors just felt uh, uh, extremely crazy to scale Red Doors and extremely connected with the company and with that mm-hmm. same mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was way bigger than. uh what our competition could offer its employees sure uh and and that culture created um possibilities for us to win in every market that we that we went in sure sure um so when when is that that you decided that okay it's time for you to to move and get in started with a solo venture of yours from red doors the idea was not to start a solo venture but the idea was to move out from red doors initially so um i i started red doors when i was 26 uh by the time i turned 30 31 red doors had become a company that everybody knew yep and um my role eventually became um to motivate people uh to tell people you know so it 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 wasn't a zero to one hustle anymore we had raised our series c round we mm. had set up a leadership uh a very good leadership team in singapore we'd also set up a good leadership team in every country right mm. the country heads to other other departmental heads and stuff like that so then my role largely became um to kind of we kind of playbook defined documented on how to get into a new neighborhood new, neighborhood. new city mm. new country mm. so then my role was essentially overseeing stuff um and motivating people mm. and talking to the press and all that stuff it was <laughs> and i felt that hey i'm 30 years old mm. and if i do this now mm. uh then i become old too soon yeah and 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 financially the company became uh well off yeah and we had a very clear pathway for the next 2 3 years mm. um so then the the days of struggle were over correct so i felt that i do not have a pressing responsibility to be mm be present hmm and now is the time to pass on the baton to fresher blood hmm who comes in and takes over the, uh and runs the company way better than i could ever do it hmm and that was the idea because i was doing it on the first principle i was learning things while i was doing it hmm um and there was a time where we could hire people who had 15 20 years of experience into doing this stuff practically sure. right sure sure they were like subject matter ex- experts so like I learned finance let's say on the job mm. but there were like people who had 15 years of finance experience and yeah, I yeah. so we hired those kind of executives which kind of added immense value and gave a structure to the company sure and it was needed that I make way for the structure to come in um so I decided it was a it was an emotionally it was a emotionally daunting decision on me to make this make this one true because on one side I had my ambition and like you know i said i said i have age on my side i could probably do one or two more mm-hmm. um of companies like red doors um hardly did i know at that point of time that every company is a new journey and it's a different journey um but i i i i felt i could do a few more because i had age on my side yeah um age and a winner on your side age age and some good experience yeah, yeah. and uh but at the same point of time it was extremely difficult to depart from a company which you built with your hands yeah like everything at red doors uh right from the walls of the office what color would be the office mm. 
what would be the layout how would we do this every department how would things be formed hmm. those were like uh, those small decisions to bigger ones whether we should do co-living or not yeah uh whether we should get into apartments or not hmm. uh is this a good acquisition target like you know all of this uh, whether should should we enter this market or not so hmm. uh, this was a spectrum of my decision making hmm. so to leave all of this and to leave that legacy and to leave that uh team and people behind who you work with 24/7 hmm. um was an extremely emotional decision sure and i was extremely fortunate i um uh, i and and extremely greedy at the same t- point of time i took four farewells one in four farewells one, one in, in every, every country one in every office <laughs> and <laughs> so it was it was it was very interesting but it was it was also um, and i decided that i'll 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 leave southeast asia okay if i were to do something in southeast asia because when i was having this conversation with amit that hey amit i think my time at rendo is finished he was like no no do whatever you want to do here have a separate office do whatever you want to do here yeah. and i'm like i i i really think i should go hmm and it is not i mean like he was not like you know like don't go let's work and then i told him that you know i i really think i i i want to go out there and just be on my own for a while and mm. i think i've made my mind so he was very supportive sure. after that so once but I, you really wanted to exit southeast asia as a person yeah so i was like if i would do if i would want to do something in southeast asia i would do it with red doors okay i mean like i was i i'm still that attached to red door mm. um so i moved back to the states Hmm. to start a company called Ethos uh, which was uh, based out of New York okay uh, it was into prefab hotel construction so hotel construction is uh, uh, a 100 year old process yeah and there is there is there are tons of improvements that can happen on that process because of the technology that uh, we have now so prefab construction how, how so we we started to make hotel rooms inside a factory and then assemble it in any empty office space imagine this is empty you yeah. could assemble a hotel here in about 24 hours using the existing hvac and plumbing systems wow so uh i wanted to do that and we we start we we we, we got proprietary technology to do that we created one sample room and put it in um uh central manhattan london uh central manhattan new york and this is uh, this is when 2020 this is so i left red doors right before covid This was like October of 2019. This is the worst business to get into just before COVID. Yeah, and it was it was a good I mean, yeah probably so but people were saying oh it was a good time to leave Red Doors then I was like no it was <laughs> it was a bad time to start correct what I wanted to start so it was a bad time to start and that's why that did not pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, we put a showroom we got tons of interest and then COVID happened and then uh, 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 it was uh, and I was like shit man. what the hell just happened yeah. and uh, i was still living off my savings um hadn't cashed out of red doors uh so it was like a very difficult time um for me so i felt okay fine now this has happened hmm. i'll chill i hadn't chill in a while hmm. so i should chill for some time how how long were you in uh, you in the states during covid one full year so october 2019 to october 2020 okay and um So I I I it's a quick detour how was covid in US So I was in New York and it was pretty bad initially and then I moved to a city called Fayetteville in Arkansas which is like a red state so and this was 2020 election year mm-hmm. so there people did not believe there is covid so everything was open 
Interesting. And I had so I moved there because uh, one of my friend works in Walmart, and Walmart is mm-hmm. Walmart is headquartered there. Yeah. So I moved there. I uh, had cheap rent and stuff like that. So I was enjoying um, my life in Arkansas, and then time started to pass, and I started to believe that it's time now that I need to do something because savings were deteriorating, and then I felt and you know uh, I started to talk to people. Uh, and this is the process. This uh, you need to speak with tons of people, mm-hmm. and then I landed on three ideas. Okay. One was a tech. Uh, you had you had closed Ethos by then. We had closed Ethos in February. Okay. End of February. Once we knew there's COVID, and once hmm. we knew how deadly it is, and hmm. how long it is hmm. going to last, we closed it. Hmm. Uh, I mean, we did not start it itself. I mean, like we just sure. did. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, and then. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry. Where was I? Yeah, so 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 I I finalized on three places: edtech, health tech, and food tech. Okay. Edtech I had done before, so I was not very keen on it. Uh, health tech I was I was I was gravitating towards men's sexual wellness space. Very underserved. Uh, very underserved, and one of my friends uh, was pursuing that. Um, he was uh, chief operating officer at Ola. Okay. So he was doing that. Uh, he was starting a company then, like doing this. So, um, so that, and then uh, food tech. And I eventually realized that you know, between food, shelter, and uh, uh, health, uh, health, uh, or, or clothing. Sorry, hmm. uh, between food, shelter, and clothing, the three basic necessities of life. Food okay. comes first. So hmm. it's the biggest time. Hmm. So let's explore food tech. Um, then I started to research more um, and figured out that cloud kitchen is the space which is like really hot and stuff like that. Um, and all this is during the COVID. This, this is during COVID, and okay. I'm sitting in one apartment in a hmm. foreign country, hmm. and all of this is doing in one one of the rooms, hmm. right? And hmm. every day I would get into the internet and try to figure out what I would want to do next. Okay. I'm talking to nobody about this. I'm talking to people generally. But they don't know what's brewing in my head. Hmm. And I came up with this idea where I felt that there are these cloud kitchen companies who hmm. would rent a real estate and then renovate it and okay. then sublet sublet it to other FNB uh, brands who would want to operate it. Something like a co-working space for FNB. FNB, okay. So I realized this is an asset-heavy model, hmm. and food business essentially is a very has a very high. Um, Mortality rate, which Correct. means there are ten thousand new restaurants that open every day. There are five thousand that close every day. True. So, if the mortality rate of the food food is so high, then uh, how would the CAC is to LTV make any sense uh, for a real estate business? Because they would constantly need to find newer and newer tenants because Correct. their older tenants would run out of business and leave. True. So this does not sound like a smart business, hmm. and I think. There should be an asset light way of doing it. Okay. So I just had this thought, hmm. and then I called up three people. Hmm. Uh, one was in Indonesia. Her name is Stephanie. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is in Sri Lanka. His name is Fati. Third one was Vinod, uh, in based in India. Hmm. I knew the all three people through my life journey. So Stephanie and I worked at Red Doors. Vinod and I were uh, neighbors since childhood uh, from my hometown. And Fati, I had met when I. Make a trip to Sri Lanka to potentially acquire a company uh, at the time 
when I was at with Red Doors. Okay. Um, and <laughs> uh, so these four were amongst quite a few whom you called. No, these were the only only four. And called. I told okay. them that hey, you know, remember I told you that we might do something together in life. I I meet people and I tell them that we might hmm. do something in life. Hmm. Like if I feel that connection, sure. I I just leave it out there. In the yeah, yeah. And that I call them. Call them and say, "Remember, I told you this." They say, "Yeah, now is the time." Hmm. <laughs> they're like, "Okay, like hmm. leave whatever you're doing. I've got a killer idea." Hmm. So they're like, uh, "Yeah, yeah." So I got all four of them on a call. They did not know each other, so hmm. I got to, like, int- I introduced them and I told hmm. them that I have an idea that this cloud kitchen business is, you know, asset heavy, and we could, you know, make it asset light. We could use the existing underutilized kitchens. We could standardize them. We could create like a red doors for cloud kitchens. Hmm. And they were like. Yeah, 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 this sounds so good. Let's do it. Let's work the math. So then I mm. created like the business plan and everything in a couple of days. Let's let let's just take a pause over here. Yeah. So this is 2020. This is all 2020. This is like June, July of 2020. Okay. What was the cloud kitchen overall scenario in Indonesia at that point? So uh, what was the market like for? I mean, I was not targeting Indonesia at that point of time. Okay. So Indonesia, like Indonesia, came into picture because. I looked at my bank balance at the very end and I said, okay, I can only do this in Southeast Asia. Okay. Cannot do it in the US. Hmm. Uh, but the initial idea was to do it in the US. Oh. Yeah. Because I was there. So sure, sure. I, I wanted to do it there. Um, but once I got I got this feeling that, you know, the money is not going to be enough and it's much difficult for me to raise in the US than to raise money in, in Southeast Asia. Um, I just packed my bags and I, uh, I literally... Got the company company formed in a week, and got a kitas. And this was a time when entry into Indonesia was banned. I got a kitas in a week, Ooh. and I flew here. Like I was that that convinced. Hmm. And in about so this is like so between June so between yes between June and August September this kept August it kept ringing in my head. Hmm. September I got these four three other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, October. First week I was in Indonesia. Perfect. I mean, it was a bit eased out in Indonesia by then the COVID whole uh, restrictions. This is 2020. 2020. Restrictions had slightly eased out. No, they had. Uh, no, no. I mean, in within Indonesia. Uh, within not, Indonesia. Not yeah. for people flying. Yeah, now. within Indonesia, yes. Restrictions. But this was, this was like yeah. What What was the cloud kitchen scenario back then? What yeah. was the scene like? So there was a com- There was a. There were a few companies who were propping up. Uh, there was definitely Hangry, which existed. Uh, since a few years already, mm-hmm. um, there was Daily Box, there was Yummy Kitchen, who had raised like eleven million dollars. Yeah. So they were players, but Grab hadn't started. Grab Cloud Kitchen and Gojek, they were thinking about. Start- they had started. They had started. That started they already. They started. Okay. They were ultimate players, but they were all on that traditional route of uh, asset-heavy model. So let's, nobody let's, okay. Let's let's talk about their route or in general asset right. heavy model. What exactly is this model? So essentially, what you do is that you rent a space. Okay. Like, like you rent this floor. Sure. And then you would make small, 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 small kitchen mm-hmm. on this floor, and then you will rent each kitchen to one or two FNB players. And okay. your model succeeds because let's say you rent this floor at five million a month. Mm-hmm. You'll create small, small places, and you will make let's say twenty five million. Mm. Uh, we are in talking total. Indonesian rupiah, guys. Yeah. So yeah. So Indonesian <laughs> rupiah. So essentially, what you do is like a co-working space, essentially, but for FNB. So there's a ready kitchen. So there's infrastructure like you know chimney and mm. like um, fryers and sure. gas and all of that, mm. all of that stuff. 
so you create that so th- these companies were running uh, either on that model or, or or like hangry and daily box they had their own brand so they would not rent it out to other people but they would utilize the sa- space for their own brands sure but they were both essentially asset heavy models on oh. cloud kitchens hmm um and a cloud kitchen essentially is when you there there are two uh, uh two preconditions to being a cloud kitchen number one one location multiple brands yeah and number two the location is not open for dine in it's only a delivery hmm. only yeah. location so this model was championed by um rebel foods in india yeah um and then the delivery only model the delivery only and one restaurant one location multiple brands multiple brands correct this was championed yeah. by rebel yeah so um uh guess what i get queue from there a lot of research blah 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 then i started to talk to people apparently uh then you get connections and like you ask people what's happening in the cloud kitchen you mm. talk to all the ceos and you tell them about what you're trying to do and stuff mm. like that um and then i came to indonesia and then i realized that okay let's let's do this and then uh i raised my first million dollar as a seed check from insignia um, this was all before you went live i mean it was this was just an idea at that this time. was an idea but i i'd come to indonesia the company had been formed and i was okay. pretty serious i'm going to do it come okay. work me okay so this was like done and then insignia in right in that time insignia came in and so mm-hmm. um it just started so this is insignia came in december 20 uh 20 this was all happening very quickly very quickly so once i made up my mind then it was like quick 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 yeah and then we we started this business uh we were helping other brands to scale and grow you go to a food brand you tell them how many locations you are in this is 5 10 we want to be in 50 locations we can give you 50 kitchens at once hmm. uh we did not own any of these assets these were existing uh small restaurants let's, small let's, cafes and let's take an example sorry right. let's take an example okay uh let's say i am a restaurant owner correct okay and i have i have let's say a relatively decent doing restaurant in in kuningan area in correct. jakarta correct uh dish serve comes to me correct and so what is the offering dish serve gives me correct so there could be one out of two off- offerings okay. so we could either say hey do you want to expand and use our cloud kitchen network okay or you could act as a kitchen partner right okay so let's say for example it's a first one what do i get out of it as so a essentially you are currently operating from one location yes and if you are one location is like really popular you could then so let's say you are you have a restaurant in central jakarta mm-hmm. uh somebody who is at north jakarta might not come here and specifically because of covid they will not go there correct so then if those restaurants who are in central jakarta lost all of their business outside of central jakarta for that matter correct so then they need needed presence everywhere in the city sure so we would be able to give them that presence where they could operate out of multiple locations hmm. without them having to rent a space without them them having to hire staff without them having to um train staff and so on and so forth. so we okay. give them like a turnkey solution okay okay and for for the second option if you want to join us as a kitchen partner hmm. you could essentially utilize your kitchen capacity that you already have hmm. in a much better way because I mean because of covid the restaurant capacities were not fully utilized Correct. they could utilize their capacities more because they they could join us the kitchen partner hmm. they could service other brands from that kitchen okay um and uh, and make additional money out of it right perfect so it was a win win solution for everybody so we we started to do that and uh, uh 
some very good brands became our customers daily box became our customer grab kitchen and their brands became our customers yummy kitchen became our customers so we had some some very big uh, uh, customers um but our margins were very low so yeah i mean i was coming to that point yeah. right i mean so what was this whole revenue and uh, margin what was the model like i mean how whom would you charge how much would you charge uh, without getting specific i mean you Correct. could just uh, give a ball so essentially essentially the customer would pay for the food yeah. right let's say customer pays uh, 100 dollars hmm. then 30 or 40 dollars would go to a grab or a gojek from where the order comes sure it's their commission correct on the remaining money some part of about 10 or 15% will go to the restaurant partner who serviced that order in their restaurant mm. from mm. their restaurant mm. some 5 6% would go to dish serve mm. and the remaining would go to the brand because brand provides for the ingredients and everything okay right. okay okay so 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 their dish serve margins were very low mm. and everybody in this ecosystem wanted dish serve out of the supply chain because we created that system mm. but we were in the end a middleman and nobody likes a middleman I mean, yeah. So, so we realized that uh, were you a technology middleman or tech middleman? Tech middleman. But there was also to enable this, there was a lot, lot of. Uh, 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 it was a high touch business as well. It was a low tech, high touch business, unfortunately. Hmm. Hmm. Um, and then in twenty, so we ran this for about two years uh, until twenty twenty two, July. That's when we realized that the margins are really low, and uh, we need to do something about it. So we launched our own brands uh, instead of working with other brands. Then we said we'll launch our own brands and we'll hmm. use the same kitchen, same model, same network. Yeah. We did quite a few things. We launched dessert. dot com. Uh, by now, the restaurants had opened up for dine in, so we also launched dine in. Yeah. Uh, we diversified our sales. We we launched a few brands. All of our brands were healthy food brands. So then, from July onwards, the business started to do really well. Okay. Um, but this became a cost heavy. This was a three less no no this was no. a highly profitable highly uh, profitable yeah, okay. highly profitable twenty five percent margin or business so this was really good uh, but you know as they say life is not a video game so if you are out of runway then you are out out so by the time the business became significantly big and um, really attractive we ran out of money and then uh, by then the macro market situation had changed raising money had become difficult. Uh, FNB, uh, people had burned their, you know, uh, pe- people had had different kinds of experience experiences. F- yeah. FNB uh, in terms of VCs, etc., hmm. and it no longer remained a VC business. Um, so it was, be- it became very difficult for us to scale uh, without the capital. Sure. Uh, though, though our margins, etc., were very good, we were very close to profitability, but we would not be able to get scale without the capital leverage. Hmm. So uh, that's when we decided. That if we cannot scale this business, if this is going to be like this, and uh, the funding is difficult to come by, um, we will we will left with no choice but to kind of shut down the company, and uh, 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 um, yeah. So we 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 started we uh, shut it down in March uh, this year. So I mean, twenty middle of twenty twenty two is when. You started making these small pivots towards not just your own brands. Uh, we started making pivots from January to July. Okay. And then July there was a major pivot, and then. So by the end of 2021, you had figured out that okay, the margins are low in this business, and we have to make changes if we want to be in that bigger game of sorts. Would that be fair? Uh, I think 
the margins were low and the mortality rate was very high for us also because the brands kept dying ah, so while yeah. the while the risk on us was not very high yeah but we had to constantly acquire new brands correct. that part remained the same for us as well correct so we were not losing money hmm. but we were not gaining money gaining either. money either so it would it would it would need us to work with thousands and thousands of brands hmm. and constantly have a sales team to hunt newer and newer brands in order to be in business hmm. Hmm. to be profitable with a very sm- very small margin small margin so that math was not adding up for sure, sure and hence we decided that oh this is probably not the best of uh best of ideas to work well, i think it was it was still relatively quick right i mean within a year you got that idea you i mean you 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 and the team had that realization yeah right that okay i mean we have to make changes or else it's it's going to not be sustainable Correct. I mean that that we knew, but we fought extremely hard. But uh, I, 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 yeah, I mean, I want to, I want to, I want to discuss more on this point. Correct. Right? Uh, and I've seen this. I've spoken to a lot of founders. Uh, spoken to a lot of investors. Uh, so there is this whole theory that you got to be as a founder, you got to be obsessed with what you're creating. But the flip side to it is that if it is going wrong, right? Oh, right. I mean. Uh, if it is not going in the right direction and you continue to be obsessed with it right it eventually won't make sense in the larger play uh yeah so what are your thoughts on this i think you need to be obsessed with the outcomes correct and i guess like creating that difference democratizing food business um uh was the goal that that we that we started the company with hmm hmm and and we were true to our goal but the operating uh uh operating principles might change with time hmm so you could be you could be obsessed with the outcomes and you could be totally flexible on how you are going to reach those milestones sure um as a team we did small experiments from january to july and i guess the the one thing that i regret is we were too late to pivot we could have done it i mean once we pivoted with you pivoted within a year or within within year and a half yeah but we were not very large as a business so we were hmm. extremely small as a company so hmm. we should have pivoted right i mean i did not have the courage to let go of the revenue that we were getting from other brands uh to go and to launch our own brands because launching own brand you can't do it in parallel i we you can i mean like yeah you cannot do it in parallel because you could either be a marketplace or be the correct brand so we 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 knew that something's wrong with the business uh but we still did not pivot in time we could have done it faster or we could have done it in a month what would you uh, suggest someone who's watching this watching this podcast who's going through a similar feeling as a business owner that was there is something i don't know what it is yeah we've tried to do a lot of rca root cause analysis and what not correct but i'm not getting that right feeling that something is something is not right over here what would you suggest to that uh, founder or or any businessman i think there are two things to it i'll i first start with the business fundamentals hmm. so there are basic business fundamentals like you know what's your gross margin what's your contribution margin and are you growing as a business or not mm-hmm. if these three things are not happening at the same at the pace which is expected by your youth and mm-hmm. it definitely warrants a change and the second part of it is a story hmm so once upon a time 
there was a frog hmm and this frog um you know somehow it was raining and uh you know frogs come come in the houses also sometimes yeah right? yeah so it came into the kitchen and it sat in a a bowl of bowl filled with water okay now it sat there water nutritious hmm so the frog is happy it was a tadpole it was a small frog so it was happy it was like yeah i have everything that i need here yeah huh unfortunately this bowl of water was kept on a gas stove okay so the owner came and switched it switched on, it on. Hmm. now the water started to boil uh water started to get heated up so the frog said that oh no this is like a small change in temperature so i should not <laughs> move Because it's warm <laughs> maybe i'll not get the same amount of nutritious place safe there is nobody here only me hmm. i might not get this kind of place uh in the future hmm. so the water kept heating up the frog kept changing its body temperature hmm. frog is a cold blooded animal so it changes yeah. its temperature to a point where the water reached boiling point hmm. and the frog is like now i can't bear this hmm. and i should jump out and it tried its best to jump out but it had lost all its energy to change temperature and it died so people who do not make that change in the right time eventually die hmm and it's a great analogy especially for any startups who are out there yeah change is the only constant uh you must adapt quickly with changing circumstances best of companies or the greatest of companies are those who are extremely agile who adopt uh to changing circumstances um as a founder uh who has recently failed <laughs> i can tell you that i made uh, a mistake by not listening to those clear business fundamentals mm-hmm. in time uh and taking those six more months and when i when i look at it if those six more months we we could have we would have enough money to uh by now we would have been profitable probably uh wow if if we would have not uh uh uh, uh wasted those six months it, so it's very it's very interesting how this whole passage of time works right i mean six months i mean it's six months yeah i mean how many six months we have like just yeah just let it be right i mean yeah. i mean a year in us correct i think all of that was part of my learning and my 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 journey uh to towards towards life but there are certain critical moments if you don't seize on opportunities then mm-hmm. then you die were were there were there such moments during your journey with this show yeah so one of them was of course the uh, pivot the, the pivot yeah uh i would also say that it was also during the time when we we had external interest to raise money and we said we'll not why why would you do that we had enough we had raised enough capital to kind of have a year year and a half runway in 2021 and then we felt that oh okay we have good, decent runway hmm. so let's scale a bit and then we raise hmm. um also as an entrepreneur i wanted to be more sure of what i'm building and then going to the larger market so uh there are critical times in everybody's life and people who seize on those opportunities or companies those that seize on those opportunities make it extremely large mm-hmm. so um 
even at uh, um, even in my red doors time uh, there were multiple occasions where uh, one of them was like we started out red doors with an apartments business okay we started as selling apartments and we selling apartments i mean selling as in like uh, leasing or renting or renting apartments for daily so you can come okay. stay airbnb kind of stuff but okay. for apartments okay and we were doing this in uh, a, a building in central jakarta in tamarind city hmm and we started to do this we started with five apartments the business went good we 20 30 40 40 apartments and one day the building management came gave us a notice saying you cannot do this get get out of here yeah. what are you doing this is like a residential building you can't yeah. do this here hmm. and so so we had no supply we had zero supply then hmm. and then we tried to figure out what is the alternate form of supply so we got guest houses and stuff like that and then about 3 months later traveloka blocked us hmm so we had no demand then and both times we seized the opportunity uh number one by going to guest houses which nobody was going to and we got in like tons of new supply that did not exist in the market hmm and number two we started when on the demand side we started we launched this uh, reddoors.com hmm and today about 80% of our business at reddoors comes on reddoors reddoors.com Yeah, which is extremely unique to any hotel business. True, true, true. So, companies who seize those moments became become uh, very big, hmm. uh, and it is an entrepreneur's patience and persistence that is at test during those moments. Sure, sure. I mean, uh, look, I'm pretty sure that the macroeconomics have played a major role in in the and not being able to raise funds when when it was when it was needed i mean when did you when do you observe that the trends started to shift i mean do you do you remember that there was there was any pivotal moment where the trends started to move in a in a different direction i think it all started out end of like probably end of q1 2022 hmm or a little earlier than that probably Probably end of 2021. No, with YC and Sequoia putting out the letters. Out there I think it was SoftBank that started to slash valuations, or SoftBank companies that were highly valued. They were not able to raise more cash, hmm. and it was purely happening because the Fed started to increase interest interest rates. Um, and there was a spiral effect, and uh, so there was there was even before that there was a sense that these are unacceptable levels. Hmm. People knew it, but Correct. we did not know how long the party would last. Yeah, yeah. Usually, yeah. the party lasts two, three years. Yeah. Here, in this case, the party lasted one and a half years. Yeah. But usually, it takes longer, and so during all of these downturns, right from two thousand one to two thousand eleven, and then twenty one, twenty two, the time to recover is going down. Correct. So Correct. it used to take about two, three years. Hmm. Then it took about two years. and probably it would take about year and a half now to kind of get back getting getting back into the reverse cycle and we see uh, positive signs at least in india southeast asia are Correct. definitely uh, right spots true but for the trends to fully reverse this time around i think it's it's very 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 complicated geopolitically there's a war uh, oil prices are high um and uh i think what we have learned from this 
uh, downturn is 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 a fact that companies who have existed for about ten years or more, who found their product market fit, need to be profitable. So the Ubers of this world, the Flipkarts of this world, the e-commerce websites, the uh, ride-hailing pe- people, the the all the other uh, online businesses that have been around for a longer period of time needs to find pro- profitability. True, because they are businesses that scale, and eventually they would need to go public, and that is what it is. It, I mean, quite a few are public already. The, yeah, quite a few are public, and and they are they they are not being appreciated in public markets. So I think that has become super clear that you would get about ten years of leeway. Hmm. Uh, but post that, you need to become profitable and i think as we go deeper into the crisis uh that expectation is um happening earlier and earlier so sure. startups which are now 2 3 4 years old are expected to be profitable and now is the bad time so you become profitable at smaller scale and then in the time is good you raise more money and then you expand more but you should have a clear path to profit profitability i think that is going to remain uh for the years to come um so it's it's more like experiment but experiment with caution i don't think it is even an experiment now okay. so it is it it is it is it is a must that you must have a path to profitability you might not be profitable today but you hmm. must have a path to profitability clear path a clear clear path to profitability which you should as a you as a company should be able to move on super quickly if times are bad yeah yeah so that is an expectation that uh i guess um is going to set in stone sure um, for most companies um how how do you how do you emotionally deal with with closing a business uh and it is a public closure right i mean look some some grief is personal correct i mean it's not a public grief right but closing a business uh, it's it's a very public moment right, right? Uh, so you personally as a founder how how do you deal with that it was well i it was very difficult for me to take that decision and accept that i have lost i have lost in the calls i have uh, it was very very difficult to accept failure in the first place but circumstances led to like when i took a very objective reasonable look at it i realized that yes this is a defeat and you, you must accept it so once i accepted it there were multiple ways of doing it and i felt that i mean we could have done it in a hush hush way yeah without people knowing it etc i went out in public and i announced it yeah you you made that linkedin post i i i made a post i made sure that the communication because you know we all celebrate small wins correct uh and you know founders deal with a lot of stress uh, absolutely every day and i i felt that you know look the company is closing down in, instead of people talking about it why don't i talk about it why don't i tell people that you know i'm shutting this down yeah and i laid out that post and i and i that post went viral i uh laid out clear reasons yes on why it did not work yeah and it was a pure reflection of you know where we went wrong uh and to be able to accept that in public uh and 
then getting reactions on that everybody was so positive about it yeah, I, i was about to i was about to come to that i mean and i personally felt that whole positivity in in terms of reactions was primarily led by the genuineness of the post itself right i mean you did not shy away from accepting that okay hey listen it went south yeah i think it is just me uh, and i i just did what i i felt like doing but the support that i got from the community was amazing and later i was just reflecting that had i not done that there would have been rumors i would have felt bad Correct. i would have tried to explain it to different people and it would have never worked out because people will always talk true 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 now with this post people can just not talk and there's no other way for anybody even if somebody does not like me they would have to say all the best correct and and, <laughs> yeah. and 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 the best part was that you know being in the same space there were other competing companies other competing businesses who we were competing with uh those founders came and you know appreciated and i was like yeah that's 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 possibly the best outcomes that could have happened very nice uh and and i guess um accepting it helped me in a way to move on as well uh so uh it it got a lot of got away a lot of burden from my chest sure because then i was like now everybody knows so i <laughs> um uh i don't have to narrate the story to everybody over and over again and everybody gave me the time and space people reached out um about various different things you know what next how can we help all of that stuff um people also reached out um to have a conversation so that other people can learn from it uh, i would say that closing a company is probably the worst thing that can happen to any entrepreneur Not sure uh, it's a shattering of a dream and um it becomes very difficult to um to live with live with the fact that you know the dream that you pursued for years um is not going to work out anymore hmm and you lose a lot of your sleep and time over it and you also lose financial stability etc during that time of course you you let uh, your family suffers through it and stuff like that at the same point of time closing the company itself as a process is very daunting <laughs> because everybody else leaves you i'm mean, as if the as if the whole emotional turmoil was less yeah. you have this uh, physical yeah physical physical, physical pain physical pain paperwork paperwork to deal with and in that time nobody is with you so there is this whole cycle right so when i started dreaming about this serve there was nobody with me Mm. but i had tons of motivation to bring everybody together and blah 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 and mm. people wanted to come along in the journey and now this was at the very end of that circle where people have left me i am all alone i have no motivation to do this but i still have to complete this journey so in a way this probably is a preparation for me personally to deal with that stuff yeah in life but personally i would i would always wish that this closing of the company never happens with anybody you sell your company for a dollar yeah uh if not more but just give it to somebody else to deal with rather than closing it yourself which is like a big pain well i mean uh, it is it is what it is right 
we can we can simply wish and hope that yeah more people don't go through this process but i mean you 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 derived some happiness out of this as well you married your co-founder during this process tell us tell us more about this how how does this dynamic work yeah. <laughs> very funny uh so when i came when i started thinking about deserve and um one of my ex colleagues from red door stephanie mm-hmm. uh she was in indonesia and uh I, where is she from she's from indonesia indonesia yeah, okay she's in indonesia so she's 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 here and uh, uh generally chit chatting is like what are you doing she's like yeah i'm doing this mm-hmm. um and she's she used to be the country so she was an early employee at red doors Okay. And then later when we were starting Philippines, we sent her to Philippines as country head of Philippines and then she started the Philippines business from scratch. Mm. You were not dating her back then. No. Okay. Not then. Uh, we we were colleagues at that point mm. of time. Um and then uh we started this serve not dating. Mm. And then uh mid of 2021. Mm. Um we were both in office and probably everybody else had left and we were still slogging for some 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 shit was going on right and i asked her hey you don't want to go home or what mm. like yeah i want to go home but like this work and stuff like that and like yeah i also want to go home but this work and stuff like that yeah so let's yeah so let's go um let's go together whenever when you mm. it's like okay then we started chit chatting like you know how the fuck do you date if you have so much work <laughs> <laughs> like then okay. how do you find yourself a partner because eventually <laughs> and this is this is this is this is a time like now now like at rendos i was 27 28 mm-hmm. um now i'm 33 34 at that point of time yeah, 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 yeah. so loneliness starts to hit you yeah right and you're no longer you know in that phase where you want to you know experiment around and stuff like that correct correct i mean you're not in your 20s anymore right so she's like yeah yeah how the fuck do you do this and like even if you do this how do you find the right people i was able to find tons of people who i would want to go out on a date with like mm-hmm. once mm-hmm. max twice but i knew that this is not the material mm-hmm. like you know and when the, the mental wavelength isn't out there yeah it was just for fun yeah yeah and i was just not able to find a driven partner mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. a driven indiv- individual mm-hmm. and i told her that you know it's so difficult to find women who are driven you know who would understand that you know this would be my lifestyle this would be a startup and would be able to understand this this stuff mm. at the same point i'm drive me in life and stuff like that i mm. am so driven mm. that if i get somebody who's if i be with somebody who's not that driven then it's not going to be good for me sure she's like hey you know what it's the same on the other side they're not even driven guys yeah. <laughs> if they are they're not they're not good looking <laughs> So I'm like, come on, man! There are guys, there's so many guys doing this stuff. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they are all in their age group. They've all lived through there. They only mm. have girlfriends. They're not single. There are mm. tons of things. Mm. Or they are Indians who gonna get arranged married by their parents. Or oh, whatever. I yeah, maybe. <laughs> But uh, so she's a Chinese, right? So um, so it, it's pretty similar in that. But they don't get arranged yeah. marriage. But you need to marry a Chinese. Company. Yeah. So she's like. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's true, man. I don't know, but yeah. So, so, so that day we kind of went out for a drink. We kind of we used to go out for drinks sure. before as well, but we went out for a drink and we had a deep conversation around this. Yeah. And then, um, like the next day, I texted her. You know what? The probability of this serve working is one in a thousand. Hmm. 
and the probability or one in a million probably you know and mm. the probability of you and i working out is probably much higher than this so, so when we are taking a chance on this so why don't we take a chance on us nice what do you think guys nice. guys make a note there's an amazing <laughs> line out there okay <laughs> what do you think because i'm sick and tired of finding somebody yeah. and it's very difficult hmm. and i've known you for years hmm. um and since we are on so this together fun. uh why don't we do this <laughs> yeah. Yeah. what do you think i mean this this whole shutting down the company closing down the business how would have you coped with this let's say if you hadn't been in a relationship with stephanie would yeah. would that would that would that have been more difficult or or how or is it difficult if it was not stephanie i don't know if i would be with i would be single or i would be with somebody i think having a partner makes it much easier mm-hmm. but what became very difficult for us was the financial aspect of it because both stephanie and i were in this so we had zero household income suddenly sure yeah and um we recently had a baby so stephanie is on a her maternity leave at this point of time so she she cannot go out there and you know find a job sure um like right now right now immediately correct correct so for her it becomes so so then it's 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 definitely me who has to do something yep. right so this this immense pressure on me to kind of go out there and make money um had we not been dating or had we not been together um or if we were together both of us not in deserve then things would have been different at least it or it would have been easier financially yeah but at the same point of time we both understood the pain of it and we were there for each other even when like you know at there's a time when even the co-founders leave correct um so she was there rock solid so like hey you know don't worry i will go through this we're we're in this together fuck it so i knew at some like i i always knew that i i have somebody that i can talk to who would understand this stuff who i don't need to explain a lot because hmm. she also understands the pain of it sure so emotionally it became a lot easier and financially it was a night 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 a nightmare what's next yeah that's a great question so I'm now slowly gravitating towards uh the next phase of my career. Uh the the problem is that at this point of time looking out for a job job right is very difficult when the market is not that good people are trying to cut back on salaries etc and I feel that if I were to work with somebody then why should I work at le- for less money? Hmm. That led me to believe that I should do something on my own again. Okay. And, uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Now, no, no, this 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 provokes a question. Okay. So we are talking about, I mean, the emotional turmoil. Uh, we have spoken about the fin- financial turmoil. Right. Right. And now we are talking about starting again. Right. Right. So, uh, where does this come from? I mean, uh, I I mean, you can you can give me a very solid logical answer to this. Yeah. but i personally feel it is very it is an emotional decision uh it is both logical and emotional decision because uh stephanie is now like you know uh, because 3 months have passed the baby is now 6 months old so stephanie can now go and take a job hmm so one of us can earn hmm which makes it much easier for us to pl- financially plan our sure 
so that gives me uh, that allows me at least an opportunity to explore that hmm. it is also led by the fact that there were no good jobs out there for me that is true um and like taking a big cut um on salary and then you know half-heartedly working somewhere is is probably not the best of idea so Correct. if i were to take a salary cut i would rather do it for my own company hmm. Hmm. it is difficult to do to take that decision again um but this is this is where i am at this point of time i'm gravitating towards doing something of my own i don't know what yet you you haven't figured that uh, out yet no, or, or do you have some options i'm still exploring uh, anything around generative ai or ai in general no, no nothing around that uh i'm i'm still 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 evaluating i i'm not married to a specific idea at this point of time mm-hmm. uh yet but i think i'm not too far away from that either so it would probably happen in a few weeks sure um but would that business happen or not happen and stuff like that like would it become big or not that's for the future to decide no i think would- i think i think it's lined up really well for you i mean you've you've been part of a journey which which has been like 0 to 1000x with red doors right so the learning of scale and more yeah. and over here you bring now these the experience of feeling i mean i i i look again not not being trying to very insp- be very motivational out here but i personally feel if someone has not failed they don't know what feeling is like yeah totally yeah uh, failure taught me a lot but there would have been better ways of learning of those things i mean definitely failure is probably the <laughs> worst I mean, it's, no it's not the best way to learn <laughs> it's probably the worst way to worst way to learn of course um our failures could have been of different kinds Kind, i could have had yeah. a uh lower income outcome or whatever it is yeah, yeah but i mean closing down was a yeah fairly uh bad way to fail but i guess uh what what matters um now is that uh uh that i keep my spirits up and uh, move on and you know once you are an entrepreneur you look for opportunities and once you find those opportunities you can't resist but pursue it true true so um so that's where i am man awesome chief was great chatting with you a uh, lot of lot of interesting snippets uh for me as well as our listeners uh and i'm pretty sure you're going to do amazing in your coming ventures thank you so much thank you bipin all the best for kitikit and you. uh uh you are on a journey which uh, which a lot of other people are inspired to take so um i wish you all the best thank you